What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, we are in the midst of this uh, current events podcast series. So what's going on in the marketplace? Are the interest rates killing us? Is inf- What's happening with inflation? Is there going to be a recession? All these things. Should I stop buying? Should I crawl in a hole? Should I keep buying? Should I buy more? What should I do? So I'm bringing on some experts to talk through some of that stuff. And today we are going to be talking about uh, mortgage interest rates. So what's happening in the mortgage world? I'm bringing on a lender that's been in this business for 17 years. Amazing conversation. I just got done with the call with him. I think you're really going to get a lot from this. And I hope that it allows you to start thinking about making Uh, your decisions, what should you be doing uh, in the marketplace right now? My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, we got a really awesome show. We're in this series right now on um, what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening in the real estate world, what uh, interest rates, um, we're talking about some inflation stuff, we're talking about uh, me selling a couple of my rental properties, why did I do that? All these shows kind of come together of the state of the marketplace right now in, uh, it's April 2022 now, crazy. Um, so you guys know I live uh, just at, uh, south of Nashville, Tennessee in Spring Hill, and uh, there's a local lender here that I've seen around. We've kind of done some stuff online, talked to each other, uh, supported some different organizations that each of us um, uh, represent. And I wanted to bring him on the show because he's been a mortgage lender for a really long time. And I think he can give uh, a perspective for you guys on what's happening in interest rates and the mortgage uh, rates out there for not, not just investors, but also for the retail buyers. And I know a lot of you flippers, um, that's kind of what you're looking at right now. Your end buyer is really the key. It's supply and demand. And your demand as a flipper is that retail end buyer. As a wholesaler, your demand is that flipper or landlord. So um, what's going on in the marketplace? So I'm bringing on Alex Jimenez. He's uh, here in Nashville. I'll let him tell you all about himself, but um, I see him everywhere. So uh, he's doing something right, and I know there's a lot of people in the area that speak very highly of him, so I'm excited to get to know him a little bit better along with you guys on the show today. Alex, welcome. I'm really thankful that you took the time to talk with us today. I appreciate the invite and the opportunity to be here. Um, if you tell everybody, just give a background on you. Uh, how long have you been in business? Who are you? What do you do? That kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm a branch manager for a mortgage company here in Spring Hill called Benchmark Mortgage. Uh, we work closely with veterans. I do work with quite a few investors, flippers. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 17 years. And so I've went through the economic crash, the mortgage meltdown, um, and just kind of kept pushing throughout you know, all the issues that we see in the mortgage space. Um, obviously we're, we're kind of up against that again, you know, but it's, it's a situation after you've seen as much as I have, um, I'm not really concerned to be honest with you. So, um, I'm a father, I have two children and a stepson, uh, fiance and three dogs, (laughs) long walks on the beach, stuff like that. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, so you talked a little bit about veterans. How do you work with veterans? What are some of the things that you do? Um, because I see that a lot on your marketing and things like that. Yeah, so we do a lot with uh, educating loan officers and realtors. I'm actually one of the co-founders of a national program that educates uh, loan officers and realtors alike on how to best navigate veterans and active duty service members uh, through their utilization of the VA home loan. We debunk a lot of the myths 
that you hear people have, including underwriters. You know, underwriters are the final pen stroke on whether a veteran or active duty service member gets a loan or not. And so we do some education with them as well. Um, so that's one facet. Some of the other ways is we support local veteran organizations. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow for an event that we do called the Boot and Shoot. Um, it is an event that is used to raise money to help treat veterans with TBI. Uh, it also provides money to a organization called Third Option, which is meant to help people that are not on the radar, so to speak, because the government's not able to help them. So if they get injured or something like that, Third Option is an organization that provides some financial means to the families. Um, so those are those are a couple of the different ways. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about being intentional and just being there to help and guide veterans, whether it's uh, them needing to speak with the VSO in order to get their benefits taken care of or whatever it may be. We don't just do loans. We do what's best for the veteran or active duty service member. Yeah, that's really awesome. I know we have a lot of vets uh, listening. I actually just drove back from Atlanta this past weekend. I was on my reserve duty in Atlanta uh, for Saturday and Sunday, spent the day. Uh, and I ran, I think I ran my last physical test on Sunday. So I, I'm pretty sure it'll be my last one before retirement. I got uh, just a couple more months before I get to retire after 20 years. So uh, thank you for what you do. Awesome. It's really amazing. We need that in the marketplace for sure. So um, so what are you seeing today in the the mortgage industry? You went through the, the last crash, and but I don't really want to compare it to that. I'm interested to know kind of what we see right now, and then maybe we can back up to some of the things that you would look for having gone through the last one. So now we see a change of market, right? We see interest rates go up. Um, we've, we've been in an environment where people have been spoiled with historically lower than low interest rates. I'm talking about rates lower than some, some people can capture a, uh, an automobile loan for, right? And so we've got accustomed to that. And what I feel like is happening in today's market is people have a lot of PTSD from 2008 and the mortgage collapse and the, the mortgage meltdown and the real estate collapse. And so there's a lot of widespread panic. In addition to that, we have a lack of inventory. So in a rough estimate is um, there are 4 million families looking for homes right now. And in a record year, the most amount of homes that have been built in a year where there was no supply shortage, no wars, nothing crazy like that. Uh, the maximum amount of homes that were built were 2 million. So we're behind the eight ball. In addition to that, we see individuals coming to age of home purchasing um, due to the birth rate spikes that happened back in the 70s. So if you look back on the birth rate chart, people were very busy in the 70s having a lot of fun, which created a lot of children, which has us where we're at today. Um, and then in addition to that, with the rising rates, you see people that are kind of they're, they're staying in place. I see more people wanting to um, fix up the home that they're in. You know, maybe they do some additions, they update their kitchens, their bathrooms, whatever it is to make the existing space that they have comfortable because they can't be competitive to get into this market to capture whatever the next upgrade is, so to speak. Okay, so what I heard is uh, some really good data, which I love, right? So 4 million families looking for homes. Uh, 2 million being the max number of homes that were actually built, so new inventory, right? And so we actually see a big lack of inventory. I just did a video on this on our YouTube channel on kind of looking at the number of homes that were coming on the market, the pending sales, all that stuff. There's been a lot of headlines of like, you know, I, the one video that I did was 
February home sales down 7.2% from January. And uh, everybody was sharing it all over social media. And I really dug into the data and the charts. And what I found was five and a quarter percent. It was actually, in, if you look at all major metros, it was actually a five and a quarter percent increase in home sales for the metro markets. And then uh, the inventory was down like three and a half percent from February to January. So they actually had less widgets to sell also. So it's very interesting to see some of the headlines that are coming out of, hey, this is the start of uh, the market shifting and changing and crashing. And everybody, everybody on YouTube and everywhere else is talking about this. Um, and there's one thing that you threw in there that I thought was, that was interesting that a lot of people aren't talking about is this population increase. So as, and, and as, these, as these, these younger people are starting to get to a point of buying a house, their first house, maybe their second house, they're moving from first time home buyer to second time home buyer, uh, there's a ton of them. And, uh, and right. the other thing that's interesting is all the, these baby boomers uh, like my parents' age, are still in their homes, right? So they're not actually old enough yet to move into retirement homes and move out of these single-family houses yet. They're starting to get there. My dad just turned 70 this past weekend. And so, you know, another five or 10 years, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that shifts. So looking at the landscape, like the whole thing, right, is important to see, not just the video that I made was just like, they're taking one piece of data, they're they're making it whatever headline they want and skewing it in the direction of the story that they want to tell. Um, so I think this holistic view that you're talking about is really important. Um, so what are you seeing from like the, the people that are getting loans? Are they actually, you mentioned this PTSD, are they starting to kind of like pull back? What are you seeing from the number of people that there's 4 million people looking? Are they stopping to look or are they still, are they still looking? Are you still seeing that uh, huge demand? So it's a combination of things. We see applications, at least at my level, increasing. Um, so more people are applying for homes. We did see some buyer exhaustion. And what I mean by that is people just continue to put offers in on homes and they couldn't compete. You know, we had individuals 20, 30 offers on homes and they just said, screw it, I'm done. Now, how long are they done for? It could be three months, it could be six months, it could be a year. But at the end of the day, eventually they will become home buyers, right? And so that's why us nurturing those people is so important because eventually those people want to own a home. Uh, one analogy I use, and I use this when it comes to my clients and the exhaustion that they get is, you know, if, if interest rates, let's say they go through the roof, let's say we get to seven, eight, nine, 10% interest, right? Um, it's still, if we were to 10% interest rate, it's still 90% cheaper than becoming a renter, right? Because 100% of your money that you pay as a renter goes directly into the landlord's funds, whether that's to pay off their home or whatever it is, versus buying a home. Um, so with that exhaustion, you see people kind of turn and, and they'll get out of the market for a little while, three, four, five, six months later comes up and they'll pop back in the market. Um, they'll reapply due to that. Now, the biggest thing that I see is 25% of individuals are cash buyers. And a lot of those cash buyers you're seeing come from other states. So take, for example, um, you get an individual that has a $750,000 home in California. They can come to Tennessee after selling that home. And not only do they have the state income tax that they do not have here in Tennessee, but they're coming to another area where a $750,000 home is two, three, four times nicer than the home they may have come from. Now, I'm not speaking as far as all the homes there in California, but for the most part, you know, $750,000 will bring them an upgrade. And so you see those people that are willing to pay an appraisal gap or something of that nature. Um, as far as uh, offers being accepted, I see a lot of investors that are in this market and a lot of my clients. I've went from very heavy VA, let's get these guys in, let's get them accepted, let's get this done to a pivot to conventional loans where people are 
They're, they're real estate investors. Uh, they're heavy in the down payment. They're heavy in the appraisal gap. You know, I've got a, a client right now, $100,000 appraisal gap. Doesn't care. And, and for him, the numbers make sense, right? And he's a real estate investor. Um, the next thing that I also see is, is you have huge institutions that are coming in and they're scooping up houses by the dozens. And I, I think it goes unsaid, most of the people that are probably listening knows, know who those institutions are. But when I look at that, I look at these companies that have spent millions of dollars in, in analyzing and mitigating risk. If they're still comfortable in this market to purchase, then Joe C. Homeowner should be as well. Hmm. I love that. So a couple things that, that I pulled out of that as you were talking, if I'm on the other side of this, listening to this podcast, there's a couple things that I'm thinking about. Um, are, are buyers and people, is the population leaving my state or are they moving into my state in my market, where, wherever I'm picking? Because there might be somebody listening who's getting started in their investing career, right? They just want to start flipping houses. And if I'm going to start flipping uh, five, $6 million houses in San Diego or Los Angeles, um, I would want to look at that data. So how many buyers do I have? What is my demand on the back end of this when I renovate that house and try to sell it? Are people moving out? Or are they moving in? So this is a great chart to look at. And then I love that institutional buyers. So as a flipper, um, it, it's, we have a lot of people that are selling to open door right now. They're just, they're, they're buying houses off market. They're buying them at you know, 70, 80, 80 cents on the dollar, and they're selling them to open door without even fixing them up potentially, or they're fixing them up a little bit and then selling them to open door, uh, or some of these other institutional type buyers. So as a flipper or a wholesaler, the goal is figure out who they are, get in contact with them, understand, like, as you're building your buyers list and understanding that, they may be the best buyer. As a flipper, it's probably best to put it on the open market, you're likely gonna get more, but I mean, I sold a house here in Spring Hill to one of the institutional iBuyers, uh, like bigger, um, uh, rental company. It was a REIT, and uh, I they ended they bought it on the MLS way higher than anybody else that was offering um, as a homeowner. So I was shocked. So yeah. understanding who they are and 25% of those cash buyers, that's fantastic. And um, and shifting from VA to to conventional, the VA loan just has a little bit a little bit more work, and it kind of sucks. It sucks for the VA people um, just because it, it's. I want those people to get houses, but I, as a flipper myself, I've had a lot of headaches with VA buyers. And I'm not saying to all the flippers out there, don't accept a VA loan because please do support those veterans. Um, just weigh them uh, hand to hand. I mean, you're running a business too. So um, what did you see, like you mentioned PTSD uh, and I think people are completely like delusional that a two and a quarter percent interest rate is anything real. That's, I mean, that's better than free money any time I've ever lived in my entire life, basically. So a 5% interest rate, I'm happy with that now. I'm not the most bankable person with all the money that I move around and all the things that I do in my tax returns look like a nightmare and a mess. So five, five and a half percent interest is great for me and most flippers, but the homeowner is feeling like, wait, what? Like, I, I don't expect that. And as it goes up to six or seven, like you mentioned, um, it's still outpacing inflation right now. Like inflation's killing us. It's great money. And um, I remember when I was growing up, my dad, my mom and dad bought a house and it was like 16 and a half or 17% interest rates. And they were like ecstatic. They were super happy. Right. So it, it really is perspective. Do you, I guess, what do you think is where, the direction that we're going? And if you look back to, uh, you know, 08, 09 time, like, are you seeing some of that same stuff? Um, or do you feel really good about where the, um, the banks are underwriting these loans and you're kind of in the middle of it. So what do you think? So I feel good about it. Um, the way that we wage risk 
is is very like the the person that's buying is is able to buy um there's a lot of talk about oh well people will we will go into a recession and people will uh go into foreclosure and, and that's where the 2008 ptsd comes in right because they remember a time when they were younger and they watched people lose their homes over and over but the difference then is the individual that may have qualified i remember doing loans with a 580 credit score and you can tell me what it was you made and tell me what it was you had in savings and we're writing that loan all day long right and we're doing those by the hundreds of thousands and so you you had individuals that had no verifiable income because the market didn't bring that and we gave them loans and we had a surplus of of homes and and people continue to gobble those up right well today's environment you have individuals that are well qualified you have more equity in their home that they they've ever ever had and so that being said if we do go into a recession which we will when we do we're gonna see people that have equity that are able to sell and keep in mind these 4 million people that are sitting over here, right? And a lot of people will say, well, we're competing with builders too. Show me the builder that we're competing with because here's the thing. I've got a client that I closed last September and they cracked his window above his door on the way out. We're still waiting on that window to be replaced. They do not have that arched piece of glass that this individual needs to finalize his appraisal. So there's a supply chain shortage. There's 407 new construction homes that are available right now. Out of those 407, only 35,000 could be moved into. So your people that are flipping, that are finding these homes that are able to go in and they're able to do things to increase the value uh, and, and, and make them livable homes, they're not competing with the new construction homes. New construction cannot compete with the people that can flip because you're able to go in with an existing structure and complete it and have somebody move in, whereas new construction, they're having issues getting materials in, they're having issues getting labor. How about people not being able to find people to, to come and build? Back in 2008, that wasn't the case. We had builders everywhere. We had we had equipment, supplies, all this other stuff. So the difference is, is 2008, you had people that were not qualified that were purchasing homes. We had a, a over abundance of homes available and individuals that own these investment properties that should never have qualified for any mortgage, let alone multiple mortgages. And then a market here today where the individuals that are qualified, the government has pigeonholed us as lenders so tight in what's called a QM, a qualified mortgage, that they have to prove the ability to repay the mortgage. It's literally our job to verify that. So the individuals that are in their home right now can afford to be there for the most part. And the talk of the recession, which everybody's talking about it, right? We have an inverted yield curve, meaning that the two-year and the 10-year have inverted, which is a sign of every historical recession. We see this inversion happen every single time. And so we're going to go into a recession. But the thing is, is recession means what? Recession means that people are going to spend less money, right? It doesn't mean that people are going to lose their job. In fact, employment numbers are up. So it doesn't mean that GM's going to lay off a bunch of people. It means that mom, pa, who used to go out every Friday night for a nice dinner at Jay Alexander's or whatever the fancy steakhouse down the road is, they're not going to do that anymore. They're going to cook the steak at home, or maybe they go to burgers or hot dogs or something like that. But it doesn't mean that people are going to lose their homes at record numbers. Yeah, I think this is really good information because the interesting thing that, I, that I've seen, we were talking about it yesterday. I was at uh, my friend Terry Berger's house and he's He's a phenomenal about analyzing the market, looking at data, charts, and we were just talking, and we're talking about a recession plus um, inflation. So I'm going to dive into that on another show for sure. But it's it's the interesting thing is like massive inflation rise and recession, 
uh, kind of colliding, which is which is a little bit strange um, to see what's happening right now. It's almost like it's like a little bit of uncharted territory. So we always kind of look back for past uh, performance to dictate future results, right? And so when I look at the crash in 2008, I see like you talked about horrible banking. <laughs> Um, like loans that were just a joke, all kind of wrapped up and bundled together and sold. Um, I mean, I got, when I got commissioned in the Navy, I bought a house, a condo in uh, Pacific Beach in San Diego. And I had an 80-20 loan. So they gave me 80% and then I got another 20% second. And so no money down. And I just signed my name. Like I just got my job. I think I was making, I might've been making 50 grand for the government. It was a $385,000 house that I should have never been approved for. It was, it was wild. And everybody that I knew was doing loans. Like everybody was getting jobs doing loans. They were, everybody's a loan officer everywhere that I went. And they were just cleaning up, making a ton of money. My friends were buying tons of houses they couldn't afford. And next thing you know, it, it right. crashed and they, they all got foreclosed on. Um, so it was pretty wild to see, but it's very different fundamentals now and the, the demand is so high and the supply is so low. So, so what, what should people be looking for? Let's say I want to know if the retail buyers are going to continue to buy my homes as an investor. So I'm flipping houses or I'm wholesaling houses potentially. Um, what are some of the things that I should be looking for? Is there a certain chart? Is there a certain thing that you would uh, recommend? What do you look at to see as things change? You mentioned the yield curve. Um, what are some other things that maybe that, that we should look at as, as investors to kind of um, look at that end buyer of whether they're going to continue to buy and maybe anything from inventory to uh, to the consumers. What should we be paying attention to? So it's, it's funny you ask that question because as a investor myself, I do really core basic analyzation, right? I mean, I have all these tools available to me. I can pull up charts and do all this stuff. But, but the fact of the matter is your average Joe that's getting into their first flip they're, they're in some group right now that's scaring the pants off them about buying a home, you know, and, and they're nervous because they're on some Facebook group, right? And we, know, we all know that, that Facebook's reality, so to speak. And, and those of you that are listening may not see my air quotes when I said that. Um, but look at the core basics. I mean, look at your market. How many homes are available? How many homes are selling? I had three clients compete for the same home this past weekend. Three, right? So if you're looking in a price range and there's no homes available, what does that tell you? that tells you that you need to find a home to make it available in that price range so your home will sell, right? Um, now, if you have a price range and there's plenty of homes available, you might wanna stay out of that market. You might wanna stay away from that market. You and I both know this, there's still areas in Tennessee where you can get a home for a reasonable price, but it may not be a desirable area. What big companies are moving in your area? For example, I was looking in an area called Pulaski uh, and, and Bill, I know you know where that's at, but I was looking in Pulaski and this was a year and a half, two years ago. And now they're talking about some expansion. You're talking about Frito-Lay going in there. You're talking about a college going there. It's midway between Huntsville and, and Nashville. You know, all these pieces, right? And so my expectation is to see property values rise because more people are moving there. More people are going to live there. So what's going on in your area? Who's thinking about coming in? Bear in mind, by the time that a company like Frito-Lay or GM, where they're building the battery plant, by the time they make it public knowledge that that's coming up, all your investors, your institutional investors know that, right? And they're already there. It's like getting home insurance when the barn's on fire, okay? It may not be burnt down yet, but it's blazing. And so I like tuning into some of the local uh, BOMA, you know, or city council meetings. So you're aware of what, what places have applied, what's going on within my community to understand the growth, you know? 
Lewisburg, for example, Walmart, right? They, they redid the Walmart. There's now a four-lane highway going into Lewisburg. Is that an indication that Lewisburg is expecting some rapid growth within their community? Absolutely. So did your normal two-lane highway just now turn to four, or is that something that's in the projected future in the community that you live in? If so, should you take note, right? So if you have a combination of those things, if you, if you see home values in certain areas, so you, know, you, you reference the fact we're south of Nashville, so we have what, Brentwood, Franklin, Spring Hill, and that push continues south. I moved to Spring Hill because Franklin was too expensive six years ago. The median sales price in Franklin right now is a million plus, right? And so as that push down goes, you have to look at a map and say, okay, after Columbia, what's next? And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about in the state of Tennessee, where's the masses of your people moving to? And where's the affordability? And so maybe that 60000 or $80,000 or $180,000 house that needs some fixing up, what's going on in that neighborhood? Are there multiple houses being fixed up in that neighborhood? Are there other institutional buyers that have come in and they've bought, you know, a couple houses, a few houses, all the houses? So I look at the the kind of the gut feeling, right? And I get an idea of what's going on. The other thing is I have so many fillers out. Like people know I buy houses, okay? And so I have so many fillers out that if somebody's thinking about selling, I literally I, I have some agents that'll joke with me and they'll say, Hey, I'm sending you a client. By the way, you can't buy their house because I'm gonna sell it over ask price, right? Because I'll talk to the client, I'm like, you're selling what? <laughs> you know, for how much? So uh, just just keep your ear to the ground. I mean, that's the most simplistic base of information that we can get, right? Yeah, so I really like that. The Just if I can wrap it up real quick, it's you talked a little bit about, we didn't really mention it, but real estate is hyper-local, right? So what's happening in one area might not be happening in another. You could see you could actually see higher inventory in some city and almost zero inventory. I think we have like a little over a month right now from what I looked at uh, last week. I was kind of like looking at the charts about the uh, amount of inventory that we had in certain areas that we were buying like Pensacola, Chattanooga, Nashville, um, that those kind of areas. And I could look at another uh, smaller town and they might have three or four months of inventory. You might have stuff that's sitting a little bit longer. It's not a huge demand coming in. And then there might be somewhere you got like one week, two weeks, three weeks of inventory. It's crazy. Right. And then just like Alex talked about, the price point may may adjust that. Uh, they may not have people buying $100,000 houses. They're buying $300,000 houses. Or they're not buying the $2 million houses. I've lost, down in Pensacola, I lost on a couple bigger houses. I thought I was going to make a ton of money. I ended up losing money because I just didn't have a buyer pool. There was not a lot of demand. And when you were in that higher end market, I've talked about it a ton, they had other options. They could be really picky. And when you're in that first and second time home buyer range, which is what I love as a flipper, is, man, that, that thing, you got 20 people on the first day of the showings. And now it's 40, right? And so you, you know that that inventory is so low, the affordable type housing, that is the affordable type housing numbers are going up. It's like the amount, it's, it used right. to be maybe uh, 160 in Pensacola, median home price, uh, probably above 200 now. And that's the uh, quote unquote affordable housing. But be in that range and start thinking about that. So just look at your business and what it is. And I love this path, path of progress is what I wrote down. Like what's happening? I, looked at, I remember looking at Columbia a couple of years ago and I, I said to myself, I said, I should probably start buying down there, but I don't know if it's too far of a drive to Nashville. And so that was my thought process, right? I was like, I don't know if the Nashville people that are working in Nashville are going to be buying in Columbia and driving there. What I didn't think about is 
how many people work in Cool Springs and Franklin and now Spring Hill? And what if they start bringing in bigger companies and they start, get, they start attracting bigger companies and more people want to live there and they get pushed out, like you talked about, affordability pushes them to Columbia, then they're not driving to Nashville. They're only driving to maybe Franklin or Brentwood or, Spring, or, or uh, uh, Cool Springs or Spring Hill even. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I kind of missed some of that. It's still there. You can still buy Mount Pleasant, Columbia, some of these areas, but it, it may have missed that boat. And then if I bought there, when we're flipping and we're moving inventory really fast, the path of progress could be a bit of a challenge, right? Because you got to catch it in the time that you own it. Whereas a buy and hold investor, it's really smart, really, really smart to buy in some of those areas because 10, 20 years from now, you're just going to be so thankful that you did. The house will be paid off. Somebody else did it. And it might be three or four times the price of what you bought it for, if not more. Right. So, um, I also wrote down, like, look at local city info. So I joined the chamber of commerce recently. I go to some of those meetings. I just, the mayors were talking. Uh, I was listening to builders talk about new developments there that aren't in the news yet. And, so, and also started networking with some of those. I started a meetup group here um, for other investors to come, some uh, builders come, other investors come. And it's really cool to hear what's going on and what people are doing and looking for. And re- I, I don't read the news anymore, but the local news is really important because there's opportunities, right? You might be able to buy up some land or a certain uh, area or location that you know something might be happening. Or, um, and, and those are really kind of like, think of those as, as investments, longer term investments on this path of progress. Um, I love this stuff. What, um, what else? Did we miss anything? Is there anything else that you think that a, an investor would want to know about kind of the direction and feel of what's going on in the retail buyer's marketplace right now? Um, I mean, you kind of touched on this, and that's the, the path of progress, so to speak. You know, when Amazon says, hey, we're coming to Nashville, Tennessee, they've already got executives that are out here looking for houses. By the time you hear it aired on the news, those people have already been here looking, right? And so keeping in tune with that, that's a big piece. The other thing is, is listen, interest rates are going to go up and they're going to go down. Anytime we see a recession in under normal circumstances, we see interest rates um, travel downwards. Is that going to spur up the buyer? Yes, it could and it may. But at the end of the day, people are going to buy homes, right? The the interest rate is an emotional portion of what happens when you buy. The most important thing, and we all know this, is payment, right? And we're in the fives right now. We're in the, the charter ter- territory of the five. But guess what? We've been here before. We were here three years ago, right? We got short-term memory loss when it comes to this market. Is that going to deter people to buy? Maybe for like an hour, right? For like an hour, people are going to say, oh, it's too expensive. And then they turn and they look at their landlord and they say, but I pay him $2,400 a month and I could buy this house for $1,800, right? I don't see this thing slowing down. Um, as far as the the demand for people to purchase homes you know shelter is one of the things that as human beings you're programmed to find shelter right and shelter and stability all have to exist so that means if you take this home that you've purchased for hundred and fifty thousand dollars and you make it a three hundred thousand dollar home somebody is going to buy it right and so until we see something dramatic happen with people's employment and their income and everything else your buyers are still out there. And the people that want to get in homes, there's just a mass amount of people. I bet I've got $15 million worth of pre-approved clients right now, which is an ungodly number given the fact that my average loan size is 376. Imagine just having that many people just sitting, hoping and twiddling their thumbs to buy a home. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. I, 
I, so I totally agree with you. There's something, when you look at the affordability, um, what I've been looking at is as interest rates go up, it doesn't mean that people aren't gonna buy a house. It just might mean that they, they are looking at houses in the next range down, potentially. So they have a payment, they have what they're qualified for. They may have been qualified for a little bit more in the past, and as that rate goes up one or 2%, then they, it starts coming down and they start looking. So that, that's why I don't really love the high-end luxury stuff if I was working in there. I wanna be in the place, like the median home price, uh, first and second time home buyer range, so that people are coming down into my class potentially. They might have been looking for an $800,000 house, and now they're looking in my world, and and, and these are probably more San Diego numbers, they're like seven, eight hundred thousand instead of a million. And then in here in Tennessee, maybe they're looking in my range of three fifty to five hundred instead of in the seven to eight hundred range. And where are the mass buyers buying? And then go go target, and you have to look at your inventory too. Is what are the homes made up of? Typically, builders are building affordable housing, like the, these kind of housing. Um, not mass. There's not massive, luxurious house like high-end housing in every city. The majority of it is that kind of middle-class housing. So there's a ton of inventory to find off-market, and then I couple that up. It's the supply and demand. I mean, I'm, I've done tons of training on it. If you're listening to this, go watch supply and demand videos on YouTube or back to our our channel here, our uh, podcast. So. Um, all right, Alex, thank you so much for doing this. This is it's been really good. I think we we covered a lot of things and I think I hope what we're doing here is we're taking a little bit of that like I want to I want to bring people off the sidelines. Like it, it, people are they, they could have been waiting for 3 years to start. Like my goal is look, if you're waiting to start, like what are you waiting for? You can make money in any market as an investor. You just need to know how. So listen to these kind of things, understand what's happening um, and and start making decisions for yourself. Stop reading the headlines. Stop uh, listening to everybody who's like selling you something or uh, has some, like is pushing you in, in their direction of of what they want you to do. My goal for you is to make your own decision. Like, uh, listen to the people that you you trust, but understand like get the data, get the raw data, understand that. Um, so I wanted to talk today about what we're looking at and how we're making these decisions and coming up with these conclusions because I want you to do that too. I don't want you to just listen to this show and be like, well, Bill and Alex said that I should buy more houses, so I'm buying more houses. Like, I want you to learn how to think. That's ultimately my goal is that you don't need to listen to 50 different people to tell you what to do. You're really just understanding what's happening in the marketplace. You can make a decision and then stand by it because the only time you're really gonna believe in yourself and take action is if if you make the decision, not if somebody else tells you what to do or forces you to do it. So, um, right. Alex, how can people find out more about you? Maybe they want to. Uh, do you do loans nationwide, or are there certain states that you're uh, qualified in? And then how can they reach out to you and get to know you better? So um, I do loans Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama. Um, I am on a team that does loans pretty much nationwide. So if you do need help. Uh, navigating. Like I said, my specialty is the VA home loan. We do do some DSCR loans and things of that nature. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping our veterans and active duty service members. So if you are listening and you're in an, another state that maybe I just didn't mention, um, I do have somebody in that state that can help. Um, also, you can find me on ajnashville.com, which is my uh, web address. You can add me as a friend there. You can email me. You can schedule appointments with me, whatever it takes. 
Um, at the end of the day, you know, we're all here to help. And, and Bill, I just want to touch on one other thing that you made mention to, and that's we get fed this information from the media, right? Media doesn't just mean that your news channel that you click on. Media may mean social media, okay? And when people are on Facebook and other platforms like that, and they're talking about how bad things are in their area, bear in mind, you're not going to hear a whole lot of good come through there. You're going to hear all the bad stories, right? Just like anything else, a million people will talk about a bad experience where one will talk about a good one. So use your your best education to make decisions um, and use trusted sources. There's a lot of sources. I've had people come to me and they're like, hey, I've heard this. And I'm like, dear God, where'd you find that at? So, uh, but yeah, ajnashville.com uh, is the best place where you can email me at aj at ajnashville.com. Awesome. Thanks, Alex, for being here. We'll put that stuff in the show notes for you guys. So uh, if you're driving and can't write it down, you can just click on the notes. You can grab uh, the hot link. And it'll be in the email uh, list. If you're not on our email list, go to sevenfigureflipping.com. Make sure you jump on there. Um, Alex, thanks for being here, and I'll catch you guys on the next show. See you.